0: Amen. Thank you, the Dan. This morning, our lesson is focusing on when Jesus sends out his disciples. Our objective is that we would uh, learn to share the good news of Christ, uh, meet the needs of people, and pray that God would send others into the harvest to do as well. We'll be in the book of Matthew, chapter 9. We'll begin in verse 35, and we'll be in chapter 10, all the way to verse 42. Matthew 9. Verse 35 through Matthew 10, verse 42. We've got two key truths this morning. Number one, Jesus gives his disciples a clear purpose. Number two, Jesus lets his disciples know what to expect. Now, before we get into our lesson, I I thought about the two key truths there. Uh, The first one was Jesus gives disciples a clear purpose. Why is that important? Amen. Yes, indeed. You've got to have a purpose. And years ago, uh, when I was doing some studying and learning how uh, to teach for Sunday school and things, I forget who it was, but they said this, if you shoot at nothing, you're sure to hit it. So you've got to have a purpose. The second thing he, he does, he lets them know what to expect. How important is that? Yeah. Why is that? Why is that important? Absolutely, and the problem is we all have our own ideas of what we might expect, and if we have the wrong ideas, we'll be disappointed, but yeah, they'll be up and down. Let's go ahead and do a reconnect this morning. Why is it helpful to have someone that has experience in a certain activity or situation to tell us what to expect? Okay, they've done it before know what happened so what good would it do to ask somebody who's never experienced that to, to know what to expect it doesn't help us does it it is very very important now certainly knowing what to expect helps us prepare for certain circumstances. I remember years ago uh, I'm telling my age now you remember when that when the Young generation talking about the generation gap. Remember that or not? And I'll never forget Pierce Fields. He's in heaven now. And he was probably 30 years older than I was. But he came to me. He said one time, he said, "If there's a generation gap. It's between me and them and not them and me. And he made a good point. He said, I've already been where they are. They have no idea. They don't even understand all the things life can bring their way. And that's true. And we, we have we, it's important today that if we know what to expect, it prepares us for certain situations. So Lord willing, today we're going to see from the Gospel of Matthew how Jesus told them, his disciples, what they could expect while they were doing what he had called them to do. Now, wouldn't you agree, I, I mean, at least my opinion is, Would you agree it would be an honor to be called a a disciple of Christ, to be one of the twelve? But does that mean it's going to be all easy? No, not at all. So Jesus wants them to know what to expect. We're going to pick it up in chapter 9, verse 35. First key truth, Jesus gives his disciples a clear purpose. Somebody want to read uh, chapter 9, verse 35, all the way to chapter 10, verse 15. part verse uh, chapter 10 verse 15 verses Thank you, Dan. Our text begins in chapter 9, verse 35. And we find that Jesus, he's going about the cities, and the Bible says he's uh, going to the villages and synagogues, and he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's healing sickness, a disease among the people. Why would he do that? Because he was Jesus. All right. Good answer. Any, Any other thoughts about that? Well, you could, yeah. Wayne, say it again. He shows his compassion. And I think that's a key to understanding how much God loves us. Now, it's it's interesting. Certainly, Jesus could, because he is Jesus. And uh, is it it fair to say that God does care about us? He cares about our lives, and, and that is true. And so he's ministering among the people. And I think the key here is, he is doing that, of course he can, he has compassion on us, but he's also giving his disciples a pattern to follow, an example. Now, keep in mind, they certainly were his 12 disciples, the original disciples, but did they always have everything together? No, they weren't always filled with compassion for everybody. But Jesus was showing them what he wants them to do. And Wayne, you mention his compassion. In fact, uh, Matthew mentions that. said that when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Now, what's the word multitude mean? A lot of people. Lot of people. Now, understand something, folks. The fields were ready for harvest. And he saw the multitudes. And, and make a mistake about it, while he was here on earth, he certainly performed a lot of physical healings. But was that the main reason he came? No. And he saw the multitudes. And what moved him with compassion wasn't just their Physical sickness, but their spiritual sicknesses. He saw them confused. He saw them because they were without strength. And he saw them, the Bible says, as sheep without a shepherd. What does that mean? Yeah, nobody, no leaders. No, absolutely. That's, that's the heartbeat of Jesus. And certainly uh, whether you had whatever sickness it might have been, whatever disease it was, uh, blindness, whatever, you'd be grateful for that healing. But again, all these people would one day stand before God to give an account of their lives. And Jesus realized they had no leader. And and by the way, he says they're like sheep. And that is an, an affectionate term. And if that Shepherd is a godly shepherd. What does that shepherd think about his sheep? What does he do for them? Say it again, Wayne. Everything. In fact, a good shepherd would lay his life down for his sheep. And so Jesus saw the multitude. He saw the sickness and the disease. But his compassion was beyond that. He saw them as weak and confused because they didn't. Have a leader, and so he is really in that state. More in his actions, there he is showing the disciples: here's what's motivating what I do, here's why I do, why I do. And it's interesting when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved. Their situation moved him. It touched his life. Now, who sees our situation the best? God does. And Jesus saw the situation. He understood. Because he's their creator, he could see what was going on. And so the point is, and understand, when... The Bible was written, there weren't chapters and verses, I'm glad we have them now, makes it easy to find. But this is one continual epistle that, uh, or not epistle, a uh, gospel that Matthew is writing here. And so we, we don't want to break up the thought here, because Jesus knows he's about to send these twelve out. And he wants to say, hey, here's my example. Here's how I want you to do the responsibility I am about To give you. And so he says, I want you to have the same desire I have. I want you to go out with the same compassion I have and enter into the needy sheep, if you will. But also, he says, pray that others will go out as well. Pray that others will go out as well. Now, by the way, should we be doing that today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks, we are living in a world that's on fire. We are surrounded by people that are on their way to a devil's hell without the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, I know we're not the original twelve. I realize that. But still, that commission goes out to all of us to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he calls these twelve and uh, to himself, if you will, and again... All this is because Jesus knows and he sees the brokenness of this world. And he knows they need help. And so he sends his disciples out for this very purpose. He wants to bring them law sheet to him so they can know what eternal life is all about. So they can experience eternal life. And he goes about preaching the gospel of the kingdom and he wants them to do exactly the same thing. Now, kind of interesting how the Gospel of Matthew flows, because right after that, he calls these twelve to himself. Uh, Now don't look, can anybody here name all twelve original disciples? I'm waiting. (laughs) Do what now? I'm not, you can't sing no song, okay? That's not fair. <laughs> Why do we have a problem with that? And I'm guilty too. I'm not just putting you on the spot. Now, think about these. Some of them we hear more about. Isn't that true? We read more about them. Uh, uh, some of them, uh, other than having their names listed uh, among the 12, we know very little about them. Now, and there's a variety. Uh, again, you know. If I mention Peter, you heard of him, right? Who else would you would you think of? John? All right. Somebody else? Thomas, right? Why, Cheryl? Ah, there you go. Yeah. The doubter, okay? Uh, I don't know about you, but I could have that name. Daddy Thomas sometimes. What about you, Thomas? Daddy Thomas? Oh, no. Uh, okay. How's <laughs> that right? Okay. Okay. Uh, but these guys, we know them because they're mentioned more. Of what a, uh, even Thomas is not mentioned a lot, but we know he doubted. But also, he's the one in John chapter 11 when Jesus, let's go back and take care of Lazarus. And uh, everybody else said, no, wait a minute. Now, you know, the last time you were there, they said they're going to kill you. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And uh, finally, Thomas said, let's go with him. So the doubter was with him, okay? So, But, yeah, different people, different backgrounds. Uh, But it's interesting, how many different missions did he give them? Thank you, Wayne. Just one mission. So different personalities, uh, different levels of past religious involvement, and yet they were unified in their devotion to Christ, and they were unified in their purpose. Now, again, church history tells us some things about these disciples. Of course, we know that Judas Iscariot betrayed him, did that surprise Jesus? No. In fact, he knew when he appointed him, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but that, that's, hard me, that's hard for me to understand. But I, I know it's true because it says so. But from what uh, history tells us, all the disciples except for John were di- died as a martyr. You know, so uh, they were all had to be active, okay? They all shared the gospel. But they're not all mentioned that much in the New Testament. But nonetheless, Jesus, He calls these 12 to Him. (coughs) Now, by the way, (coughs) excuse me, these were the original 12. We know from Luke's Gospel, He would later send out 70 more, maybe 72, depending on which manuscript you look at. But still, yet, these are the original 12. Now, what does He equip them with? The power to do what? To do what? All kinds. Heal people. Cast out demons. But remember, remember, where whether it's Peter, whether it's John, whether it's James, whether it's Bartholomew, uh, whether it's Thaddeus or Thomas, whatever power they had, where did it come from? It came from God. It wasn't their own, okay? But he gave them power to go out and do these things. Now, folks, this is very, very important. He gave this power to these men, not to everybody. And one of the reasons we have to understand that's important is because these men would go out and share the gospel, but when Jesus left this world, they were the ones left here, if you will, to authenticate what Christ had come to do. That's us bring the message of Jesus Christ to a lost world. Now, also, it's interesting to me, how many uh, disciples did Jesus originally call? Well, and that's important. It's a significant number. Just as there were 12 tribes in Israel. Now, also understand, this is important as well, we know that Jesus, or that God, chose Abraham as the father of the Jews. And he chose the Jews to take not because they were uh, more intelligent or had any other advantage over people, but he chose them and set them apart that they would take the message of God throughout the world. And the Jews failed. They failed to do that. They rejected the Messiah. Now these twelve, they are the ones representing Israel who are going to take the gospel to the whole world. So Jesus gives them power to do all kinds of things. And mainly that they would... Authenticate the message they are preaching, that Jesus indeed is the Christ. And my friend, these men, the original twelve, and of course the number will grow Not uh, as far as disciples and those who go out like Apostle Paul and Silas. They're going to go out and according to some of the world, they said these men have turned the world what? Upside down. But the fact of the matter, they were turning it right side up. They were sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So he equipped him to go, and he also says, Where to go? Who are they to preach the gospel to? The lost house of Israel, the Jews. Think about that. Don't go into the Samaritans. Don't go to the Gentiles. Go to the Jews. Now, again, where Jesus would locate at this point, the primary area of ministry is going to be Galilee. The Gentiles were to the north, Samaritans just to the south, and of course then you have Judea. So they would go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and not to the Gentiles, and not to... Samaritan. Why would he say that? Amen. Yes. And that's that and by the way, when the apostle Paul would go on his missionary journeys, that was his protocol or MO, however you want to call it. Uh, now remember, God called Paul specifically in Acts 9 to be primarily a missionary to the Gentiles. But everywhere Paul went to preach, any city that was big enough to have a synagogue, where did he go preach? First. Yes. Okay. And then he would go to the Gentiles. Now, again, and Wayne, you really hit the nail on the head there because it was God's purpose for the Jews to evangelize the world. Even in the Old Testament, even though they failed to do that. But now God said, Jesus said, go to the lost. House of the sheep, of, the sheep of house of Israel, and so again, <coughs> the gospel is going to go out from the Jews. Are you saying God just chose ordinary men? He did. Ordinary men. And and, and by the way, I've never seen a picture, but I, I believe some of them were some pretty uh, rough-looking characters. Don't you? Yeah, fishermen, I don't think they smell too good. Uh, you know, uh, <coughs> Matthew, think about him. Now He was a Jew, but guess who he worked for? He worked for the Romans. He was a tax collector. And how many love tax collectors? <laughs> we don't like them now, right? But it, but even then, this tax collector, you know, if the tax was ten dollars, he might charge you fifteen. Why? Put a little money in his pocket, right? So they weren't very well liked for that reason, plus the fact they sided with the Roman government. They worked for the Roman government. But anyway, yeah, and God chose these people. Or Christ did, same thing. Him and God are one of the same. But anyway. So he empowers these ordinary men. Okay. Uh, now, by the way, uh, I think about Peter, James, and John, and I, for whatever reason, I, I kind of feel like they were uh, certainly very religious, uh, very faithful to the uh, Old Testament rules. And now, again, not taking that away, that's what they should have been. Uh, but think about Matthew. Was he? I don't know for sure how how religious he was. Uh, but nonetheless God still called him. And again, we we don't know much about the rest of them, but still yet, ordinary men living among the communities, <coughs> Jesus called them <coughs> and he sends them out. So he gives them instruction, you know, go to the Jews. And and by the way, doesn't mean God doesn't love the Gentile. We know from the old testament his plan was go to the whole world. In fact, Jesus died for who? Everybody, okay? But initially they were to go to the Jews, so the Jews would evangelize the world. And by the way, thank God for the Jews. Amen. Now again, I realize that most don't believe in Christ today, but there are a lot to do. But still yet, that's why the gospel spread even to America years ago, because what started here from the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he tells them what to do, gives them specific instructions, okay? But then he says, it's urgent. When you go, here's what you're going to take with you. What does he tell them, basically? <laughs> Nothing. Amen. Go on faith. Now, don't even pack a suitcase. Don't take any extra money with you. Don't even take a walking stick. Just go on faith. Now, here's what's interesting. Were they to go so they can make a lot of money? No. So they could hire, a, a, what do you call it, promotional managers? And sell some books while they're going? Not at all. They weren't to go to gain a profit. Now, by the way, <coughs> they had tremendous knowledge. They spent... This time with Jesus, God had given them a lot of power, and let's make no mistake about it, folks. People would pay for that, would they not? Sure, if you heal me, you know whatever. They weren't not to do that. In fact, don't even be burdened with material possessions. Wow. <laughs> now, also understand, don't carry anything more than what is. Immediately necessary. And Dan, you said go by on faith. What do you mean by that? That's it. Faith and trusting that God would provide their needs. Now, by the way, these instructions were for a specific instance. And it was to teach them valuable lessons about how this, the purpose they have should affect the way they approach ministry. Now think about that, folks. And I, I think we would agree that's a lesson we need to learn today. That we need to learn today today. Now think about this as well. In spite of what we hear taught today a lot in evangelical circles, were the disciples to go out and expect to get wealthy in the world's goods? Not at all. Not at all. And you know why? That wasn't their purpose. That was not their purpose. But also understand, <coughs> I believe as Christians, everything we have comes from God. I also believe if God allows us to have those certain blessings, He does that because it's still for His purpose. We're to use it for His purpose. Glory and for his purpose. And so the idea of uh, being blessed to be a blessing goes all the way back when God called Abraham. Through you I will bless all peoples of the earth. (coughs) So Jesus said, just take immediate stuff, what you need right now, take it with you. But also, when you go into a town, Look for a house that's worthy. Look for a house that when you leave, they'll give you a check for $10,000. Is that what he said? No. So, what made them worthy? The key is if they accepted the message of the gospel, if they were willing to accept their message, that made that house worthy. They were to look for those who were interested. In hearing the gospel of the kingdom of God. And those things are what are really directed toward the purpose of God. Those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I mean, these are the twelve. They've been there with Jesus. He gave them power to do great things, miraculous things. So surely, everywhere they go, (coughs) when people hear them preach, they'll flock to them. Is that what happened? (laughs) No, not necessarily, right? Uh, Sometimes when they ran towards you, you wish they'd run somewhere else because they had a club in their hand, right? Or or a sack of rocks to throw at you. But here's what's interesting. Jesus said, if that house is not worthy, if that city is not worthy, If if they're not interested in hearing the gospel of the kingdom, I want you to shake the dust off of your feet and leave that house. Shake the dust off your feet and leave that city. What in the world does that mean? Why would he say that? Would they understand what he's talking about? Yeah, that's good. That's true. Somebody else any thought on that? Now remember, he sent them to Jews primarily. Now, if you were a Jew, and if you had business in Samaria for whatever reason, and Janet, don't take this wrong, you're not Samaria, but let's say this area is Samaria. And you walked over here, or I walked over here in Samaria. Virgil, where you're at is Galilee, okay? Before I step into Galilee, what am I supposed to do? Shake the dust off my feet. Why? Yeah. They're evil, wicked people. So you shook the dust off your feet. Same way is true if you were north of Galilee in the Gentile territory. Before you walked back into Galilee, you would literally... Kick the dust off your feet. There's no way you're going to carry that dust, that evil dust, that tainted dust, back in to Jewish territory. So whether you're leaving Gentile territory or Samaria territory, going back into Jewish territory, you clean the dust off of your feet. And all these years, the Jews have heard that said about the Samaritans. That didn't bother them. They didn't like Samaritans anyway. They heard it said about the Gentiles. Didn't bother them. The Gentiles were dogs, as far as the Jews were concerned. But now Jesus says to the disciples, If that person who's a Jew, or if that city is a Jewish city, if they don't hear my message, your message of the gospel, before you leave, do what? Shake the dust off of your feet. In other words, they're as bad off as Samaritans or the Gentiles. Boy, did Jesus know how to win friends and influence people? Think about that. But that's the truth. And, and, and by the way, folks, and what Jesus wants us to know, the same thing, they weren't rejecting the disciples. They're rejecting who? God. And that's why shake the dust off their feet. But what's also interesting, Jesus said there in verse 15 of chapter 10, it'll be better off in the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than for those Jews, those people who reject the gospel of the kingdom. So I guess my question is is this serious stuff? Well, uh, you better believe it. You better believe it. Now, <clears throat> think about this. Were, were the disciples to continue debating with them, arguing with them? No. Understand. Jesus had to shake the dust off, and the implication is, God will settle accounts later. Will He? We know that He will. So again, the idea is faithfulness to the purpose. That's what God wants them wanted them to do and what wants us to do as well. So under our application this morning on this part of our lesson, we need to ask God to increase our compassion for others, but also ask God to show us some ways That we can demonstrate our compassion. A question of discussion I want to ask this morning, and they give me a variety to choose from. But the one I chose today was this. Can you remember a time when you shared God's message with someone or other people and they rejected you? Can you remember a time like that? How did it feel? Ha! Huh. well, no, why does it make you feel like a failure, Wayne? Okay, somebody, that's a good thought. Somebody else. Somebody else. Well, you know, and Wayne, I like what you said because, and you know, I've been asking you for prayer for my dad. He's still unsaved. His heart is as hard as it's ever been. And for years, Wayne, I felt like a failure. I mean, my dad and I had a business together, and we worked together almost every day for a lot of years. And I thought, well, Lord, what am I doing wrong? That Then it dawned on me, and Wayne you need to remember this too, they're not rejecting me or you, they're rejecting the gospel. And again, the only thing we can do is to share that message. We can't save anyone. And and also, I, I, and it took me a long time to come to this. Because <coughs> I remember we used to go to visitation a lot uh, during the week uh, when, when I was a lot younger, of course. And I, I would, you know, sometimes spend an hour at somebody's house trying to convince them. Trying to talk them into it. But then it dawned on me. If I could talk them into it, guess what? Absolutely, and and that doesn't work. Now it doesn't mean we don't share. We didn't, doesn't mean we don't answer their questions, but it means we let the saving part up to God, and, and so we have to realize that. So I guess the next question is: I've kind of already answered that. When we have when we're rejected for sharing the message, how should we handle that? Ah, oh, thank you. Move on. Why you say that, Dan? What did Jesus tell the 12 to do? Keep going. Keep going. So don't blame yourself. Now, by the way, if you're living like the devil, don't try to win somebody to Christ, all right? They know your life. But don't. like Move on, Dan. You're right. Okay? All right. Second key truth in verse 16 through 42. Jesus lets them know what to expect. Anybody want to read that? Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men. There's a warning. For they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. You shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought on how or what you shall speak, For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not you that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. The father of the child, the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And he shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. Let me stop for a minute. Fellas, when you go out, it's all going to be hunky-dory. Everybody will love you, everybody will like you, and everybody will be your friend. Is that what he told them? No. You're going to be put up before councils, not mobs of people, but the legal people, people in government, kings and authorities. And Jesus, when you stand there, don't even worry about what you're going to say. I will give you the words to say. Now, a lot of people are taken out of context, and they say, Well, whenever you preach, whenever you teach, don't study. Get up there, and God will will feel you. Fill you all right with hot air, okay? You, that's not the point here. The point is this when you stand before those governing authorities, I will give you the answer to what you need to say to them. But also, notice, Jesus didn't say, I will deliver you from it. I'll simply give you the words to say. Even your family uh, will persecute you, okay? Then, verse 23: When you persecute in this city, flee to another. For verily, I say unto you, you should not have gone over the cities of Israel. To the Son of Man, come. In other words, I'm going to send you out, but this message will not stop until I come. Now, there's been a big, a big debate through the year. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, it's hard to say. We can't say for sure. Uh, but I agree with one theologian I read this morning. Checking it out, I believe the issue is it'll not happen until it'll not stop until Jesus comes a second time. That message has to go out. Until Jesus comes the second time. Now, I'm not dogmatic about that. I'm not going to be adamant, but I think that's probably the best way to understand that. But also says in verse 24, the disciple is not above his master or the servant above his Lord. What does that mean? If he persecuted me, guess what? They'll persecute you. So expect the same thing. They call him, verse 25, they call him Beelzebub. How much do they call them of his household, okay? Now, but he said in verse 26, Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak you in light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach upon the housetops. But wait a minute. Lord, when I preach about this or that, that's not what our society believes, uh, Lord, they believe it's okay for same sex. I hate to even use the word marriage. It's not even marriage, okay? Not in God's eyes. Uh, Lord, they believe it's okay to live this kind of lifestyle. So, and Lord, they're rejecting me <coughs> because I stand against abortion. So, does that mean I change my message? What do you mean? No way. That's right. We got to stay true. the message of Jesus, whatever you learn in darkness, speak it in the light. Speak it in the light. What you hear in the ear, preach where? On the housetops. Folks, even when our message is rejected, we cannot change the message. And we're living in a time when a lot of churches, a lot of preachers, want to change the message. And my friend, we simply can't do that. So that was our bell, right, Jason? Jesus went in a lot of more detail here. He said if we can, if we confess Christ before men, he'll confess us before the Father. If we deny Him before men, He will deny us. And I don't know about you, but I don't want Christ to deny to, to deny me. I want to hear, "Well done, good and faithful servant." He also talks about. Our families, if you love your father and mother more than you love him, we're not worthy. And what's interesting is this. And I don't think I'm wrong about this, okay? We, we didn't read the entire thing. But Jesus is saying to the disciples, fellas, it's going to be extremely rough on you. Is that fair to say? It's going to be almost impossible. How many are ready to go on those kind of Instructions on those kind of preparations. But Jesus said this. I send you out as sheep among wolves. Be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And even though it's going to be dangerous. Even though your life will be in danger. Jesus said, remember this, when a sparrow falls to the ground, I know that. I'm watching your life. Jesus said, I even know the number of hairs on your head. So when you go and you know there's danger, know that I am with you. But go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Let's all stand together. Lord willing, if Jesus didn't come first, we're going to be in Matthew 13 next week. Looking at the parable of the sower. And we're going to see how the word of God goes out. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, God, who speaks to our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that that we allow you to make us able ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Simply to tell the world what Jesus has done for us through his death on Calvary. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.